Tucked away from the city, Raccoon Creek is your go-to golf course. Their location in Littleton provides more than just a beautiful golfing experience. They have the perfect setting for year-round events with unbelievable views. Just a fun place to golf. It's a different atmosphere. It's a really nice course. And it's fast greens. They have a good crew there, so it's always in good shape. They're having uh, comedy shows. They got like this really cool fire pit in the back now. It's changed a lot. There's a whole, whole new patio that has like the best views in Colorado. I think you can just see the mountains, you see the golf course. You know, kind of like Cheers. Everybody knows your name and your handicap. That was Todd. He's been golfing at Raccoon Creek for years now, and it's his favorite golf course in the area because of the environment that they've created. Raccoon Creek has embraced technology, adding golf board rentals to their course, as well as updating their golf carts to be equipped with GPS that provides score updates of sporting events and live scoring for outings and tournaments. They also have an app where you can schedule tee times, receive happy hour specials, and stay up to date on all of their upcoming events. Download their app today and receive a free bucket of balls or check them out online at raccooncreek.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Another Monday episode here for you. After a bit of an exciting weekend, I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. Over this weekend, we did the 32-team GM draft for BSN. Just having a little fun to see who could put together the best six-man unit of an NHL team, that being two wings, a center, two defensemen, and a goaltender. We got 32 people all in one room for a couple of hours to do it, or at least all in one digital room. AJ, how are you feeling about your team, and how was your weekend? Uh, weekend was good, man. Uh, the, we had the awesome bar crawl on Friday night. A bunch yeah. of people came out for it. Uh, had a lot of fun saying hi to folks and wandering around, drinking some Strawberry Sky. Uh, and then we woke up early on Saturday, did the draft, had all 31 people uh uh, participate actively. We had a 32nd one who just had a little bit of an inter- internet problem, but was able to draft five sixths of their team. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and ended up with a good team, even with the one auto draft pick that we assigned to him, ended up with a good team. Yeah. But when you have Connor McDavid, you kind of, you know, it's pretty easy to end up with a good team. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, but no, I, I ended up having a lot of fun with it. Uh, there were really only two uh, two picks of mine that uh, I kind of had to move to backup options to. And each one of those ended up turning out pretty well for me. So I, I accomplished my goals with my draft. I got exactly the kind of team that I wanted. Uh, and I, uh, I feel good about the my team's ability to theoretically compete from day one. And I certainly feel good about its ability to compete over the long haul. Yeah, I <clears throat> I agree with you there. I think your team is very strong going into the future. You, you drafted quite young. My team, <clears throat> I also pretty much did what I what I wanted to do. It's definitely more of a shorter term outlook than you. Uh, I'm trying to win over the next couple of years, probably, but 
very happy with how it came together. There was one yeah. guy who got sniped on me that I was hoping to get, but who but was your snipe? Haskinen. Oh yeah. And that was a couple of picks before too. Yeah. It was pretty close, but not quite. Didn't quite fall all the way to me in the second round. Yeah. But I, yeah. Haskinen was actually the, the, that there was a not surprising uh, emphasis on uh, the youth. Yeah. Um, with Kale McCarr going halfway through the second round. Um, with that, that's why I ended up making at least one of the picks that I did when I did, because I was just like, well, I feel like I might be able to get away with this around later, but do I really want to take that chance? For sure. It- uh, and that's why, that's why Andrei Svechnikov was my third pick is because I wanted the 19 year old who I fully am all in on being a superstar uh, starting next year, honestly. Yeah, so it, he was why I didn't wait. Uh, I grabbed him in the third, in the third round, and was like, I didn't, I didn't want to have to go in and talk myself into, you know, a Riley Smith or a, right. a you know, a Gustav Nyquist or something like a, a good player, but not the kind of caliber player that I was looking for on that top line. Yeah, it it kind of just worked out this way when we randomized the picks. I ended up it's a snake draft and I ended up being second overall pick in the first round. AJ ended up being 15th. So we kind of had to have two very different approaches to our draft strategy. AJ's picking in the middle of every round. I pick at the top of one and then at the bottom of the other. So, but then you make back to back selections, right? And so you're able to get, you don't have to wait very long uh, when you make your list of, you know, it comes up to your pick and you've got like, oh, I want, these are the five guys that I've kind of targeted. And you, you know, know that you'll get two. two yeah, exactly. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're in the middle having 32 people go every time between you, basically. Yeah. Just kind of wondering, you know, what am I what, what am I going to get here? Yeah. Uh, so we're already kind of wandering down this path. So I guess we can just start off with with our own teams. Yeah, and to talk about them a little bit, um, I guess I'll go first since I had the second overall pick. That was Nathan McKinnon for me. Uh, I it ended up being a pretty easy one. Before the draft, I was seriously considering taking Crosby here, and he ended up falling all the way to six. As AJ said, people really, really moved a lot towards the youth where they could in this yeah. draft. Yeah, and with McKinnon at two, man, I, I mean, I felt like. That's he's basically your best case scenario, right? Like McDavid's the best player. And I think we all agree on that, but he's also the league's most expensive player. Right. And for a very long time at that, you know, with, with McKinnon, you have him on half the contract of McDavid, but you're getting 90% of the production. Yeah. And, and, and you know that you have a proven playoff superstar with McKinnon. And, you know, with McDavid, there's still that question, but uh, you started off and and I think that's, that's exactly the kind of building block that you needed. We ended up with, you know, 32 first round selections. There were uh, 18 of them were centers. Yeah, it was very, so, very center heavy. And it should have been, you know, there were ways that you could have manipulated this draft and been like, oh, well, when people take their first center, you don't have to worry about them taking another one. But we tried to keep it in the mind of you're actually building a franchise here. Right. You know, you're not trying to win this simulation. You're trying to win on the ice. And had we gone deeper into it, 
you know, having having that number one center, it's just so big. Because there were some guys that were able to wait on centers because there were guys that that uh, hung around, you know, like Nicholas Backstrom didn't get drafted just because yeah. we weren't taking second line centers on teams. So people were taking the top guys and they were preferring to take younger guys. Teams, you know, that's, that's how the draft unfolded is uh, we wanted younger guys. You know, the first four picks of the draft went McDavid, McKinnon, Barkov, and Braden Point. Yeah, younger centers, the oldest of the four, <laughs> right? And then you also had uh, Stamkos, Tavares, and Matthews all in the top ten. Yep, you know, Drysital, Shifley, and Aho were all eleven, twelve, and thirteen. Right. So, uh, you know, and then fifteen, I took Elias Pettersson. Yep. Who and the youngest of all of them. So yeah, and you're so you're talking in the top fifteen. Uh, you had just three wings taken. And so it was very like, go for the franchise level, level centers where, where you can. Yeah, absolutely. And so your McKinnon pick, I I was curious to see if you could t- talk yourself out of it, but I was happy to see that you pulled the trigger on. What I think, if NHL teams were doing this, I think they probably would do uh, very, very similarly. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think they would probably look at the guys like Tavares and Stamkos a little bit more aggressively than we did. That they're still in their twenties, but they're twenty-eight. Um, guys like Barkov, while I absolutely adore his play, and you do too, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the league would have them quite that high. Barkov went third, so yeah, and and that's you know coming off a ninety-six point season and signed for three more years at five point nine, like. I think you could make an argument for it. Oh yeah. I have no problem. And that's the thing like, you know, with, with taking like Tavares guys, obviously great, but he's 28 years old and he's signed at six more years for $11 million. You know, remember when Stamkos' free agent deal came up, it already looks like a great value because it's only eight and a half million at the time. It was, it was, we all knew it was, it was good money. Yep. Uh, that, that Tampa Bay had done really well there. But as this continues to age, you know, as as these franchise centers continue to get in the double digits per year, yeah. that Stamkos deal really looks nice. And so I, th- I do think Stamkos would get up there, uh, if only because of the contract considerations. But moving on, uh, your yep. team. Yeah, uh, so I rounded it out uh, with my second, pick was Shane Gostas bear uh, in the sec at the very end of the second round. And then at the start of the third round, I had Ben Bishop rounded out my team with Brandon Montour for the defense, a uh, Yaka Voracek and Evander Kane on offense. Basically my plan was to go get a ton of quality skating ability, add some goal scoring when in Kane around McKinnon and Voracek try and just be super high octane go forward. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to lock in a good goalie. I think I valued goaltending in this draft a lot more than you did. And even so I regret picking one quite that early. I think I should have waited at least one more round there and could have been a bit stronger, but I'm still yeah. very happy with what I got. Yeah. And that was, you know, my, my approach with the goaltending was more of a, I, I knew I was I wanted to go young and I wanted to take a chance on a younger player. Yeah. Because I wanted a guy that was going to 
be my guy for a long time. And if he wasn't, like, again, had this been a real one, um, my seventh pick would have been a veteran goaltender to, to, to back him up and kind of buoy my team in case right. uh, things didn't work out. So, uh, you know, there were, there were other guys that I really, uh, really would have liked. I would have liked to have gotten my hands on Soros or Leonard. Um, but they, they went in an area where I didn't, uh, I didn't really have a good chance to take them. Yeah, in between you, kind of. <laughs> yeah, because it was just where the you know where it ended up. You know, yeah. again, I I prioritize taking Svechnikov over a over a question mark at a goaltender, feeling For like sure. I was I was comfortable with that. And um, you know, when your your defense makes me nervous, yeah, as as somebody who likes good defense, yeah. Um, Goss Despair and and Montour are both guys that I very much enjoy watching play, but as a top pairing would make me very nervous going against opposing teams as uh, top guys as well. Like I, I'm not worried about Goss Despair because he would be the one that I just cut loose and be the offensive guy there, but. I have faith. I have faith in Montour. That's why I took him. But I definitely yeah. see where you're coming from on that. That he could get burned, or I could get burned with him on my top pairing next to Gostas Bear for sure. Yeah, and and I think we've seen guys like Montour on that top pairing. Yeah, uh, for for other teams. And one thing, one of the lessons we did take out of this was that there are not. 32 teams worth of top pairing defensemen in the NHL. Not even close. <laughs> You know, guys, guys that you did take that have played on the top pairing, some of them you don't really want on your team because, you know, like Mark Giordano's 36 years old. Right. You know, so you know, there were some guys that were ended up on top pairings where it was like, you're, you're worried about it. You're taking a real chance there. And that was, that was a big difference between our teams was. Uh, my defense ended up being Hampus Lindholm and Alex Petrangelo. And those are two guys who have both played on the top pairing for a long time and have, have shown great amount of success doing it. So uh, for me, that was, that was the defense that I was, I'm, I still really like it. Probably the more I look at it, I probably like it even more. <laughs> um, yeah. My, my top line ended up with Pedersen, Matthew Kachuk and Andre Svechnikov. And my one real true roll of the dice was Thatcher Demko as my starting goaltender, a guy with like nine NHL games played. Like I'm, that's that's my total like swing of, uh, swing for the fences. If I if if this hits, then, you know, Petrangelo's 29 years old, but these other five guys, Lindholm is the oldest at 25. Yeah. Uh... Before we do jump into your team a little bit, uh, if there's a reason for you to drink, it might be Thatcher Demko to, based on the roster oh, you've built. Uh, so so it's it's time to take a second to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love, and I hope many of you had alongside us at the bar crawl on Friday. There was a ton of it out there, and it really did taste great. 
for you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a lighthearted Kolsch ale. And for those of you who don't know what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for the Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. Make sure you also look for the Breckenridge event calendar on BSN Denver. That's where we post all of our events and be sure to RSVP there so you don't miss our next one. All right. So, yeah, I... Demko is definitely my my big worry on your team, but the the five you have in front of him, I think, extremely solid. It would have been easily in the top third of, of teams for me. I'm not as big of a Hampus Lindholm fan as you are, though I do think he's very good. And Petrangelo on the one-year deal are, are the two concerns that I would have. Yeah, and... The Petrangelo on the one-year deal, I think, is mitigated just a bit because the rest of the team is as young as it is. Right. Um, Because, you know, you're going to give him one of those stupid contracts where you sign him to, like, a six- or seven-year deal going through his 30s, and he'll make $9 million, $10 million a year. Yeah. And it's very fair to wonder if that's a good idea or not. Uh, I, I like Petrangelo, always have, always felt good about him as a player, and... You know, he's been basically a 40 to 50 point guy for the last nine years or so um, with a with a down year or two in there, but very reliably excellent in both directions. And I got him as my I got him as my fifth guy. Yep. So uh, the, the contract and the age is what scared everybody else away. But at the end of the day, like. I walk in I walk in knowing that I have a true top pairing that both Lindholm and Petrangelo have taken on top pairing roles and both have had a great amount of success uh defensively with it and because my top line is as explosive as it is and because Petrangelo can run my power play and be a 50 point guy the fact that Lindholm is only a 20 point defenseman in no way bothers me um if it if I had gotten two 20 point defensemen I'd be a little more nervous given the way that the game is sort of tilting towards you need to have one of those guys on the back end. Uh, but I'm I'm less worried about it because I did get a Petrangelo. And, you know, Pedersen is, ni- is what, 20 years old. Svechikov is 19 and Kachuk is 21. And right. those guys are all, you know, Kachuk coming off a 77-point year. Pedersen coming off, I think, a 68-point rookie season. And Svechnikov coming off like a 37-point year in which he played a significant portion of that in the bottom six and still produced what he did and will move up in that Carolina lineup. And I think is going to be a superstar. And everybody that listens to this podcast for a long time knows that I think Andre Svechnikov (laughs) is, is the bee's knees and he's, he's one of my favorites in the entire NHL. So, um, I think, I think Svechnikov is going to follow basically the Rantanen trajectory and have a, a good, solid 37-point rookie year. He scored 20 goals, and then he's going to explode here in year two, and by by the end of his ELC, he'll be very expensive, and that's that's the one downside of my team is that I, if all these guys do pro- project the way that I thought, my team will be real expensive at the top end uh, in, a, yeah. in a hurry, but I don't mind that. You pay for good players, and you don't worry about it. Right. It's a good balance, too. You've given yourself a two-year window with these guys on their ELCs to try and go out and win one. And then after that, you can deal with the contracts, pay who you need to pay, and rework the roster as you need. 
Yeah, and and that's that would be one where again, if we were doing like a, a full team simulation, yeah, of course, knowing that I got the savings that I would I would get on the on Patterson and Svechnikov's ELCs here, I would be able to go out and I'd be able to take a chance on some of the guys um, that were still sitting out on our draft board, um, you know, building building a forward uh, group. I could I could take a chance on a guy like a Joe Pavelski, for example. Yeah, you know. A shorter, a shorter deal. David Krejci, um, shorter deals with at, at higher prices, but would be very good uh, secondary players for me that I could afford because my top, I have two two thirds of my top line is on an ELC. Right, it's it's very flexible at least over the next couple of years uh, until you have to pay your players. I got, I almost went with the opposite of that. I don't have any ELCs, and I think all of my players are on contract until their UFA status. So I kind of figured I'll lock in my top six for four-ish years or more and then deal with people struggling on those contracts later on. <laughs> yeah, and you do, I mean, with McKinnon, obviously, you have the greatest value out there. And with right. Kane, you have, I mean, with 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 Voracek is uh, one of the best pure passers in the NHL yeah. and is just an assist machine, um, you know, multiple seasons with 40 plus assists in the last several years. Yep. And a guy that you, you know, you have locked up for another five years uh, at just $8 million where it's like, that's, it's going to be just fine as that, as that continues to age. And then Evander Kane at 7 million, you know, you're, you've got a pure goal scorer next to two very good playmakers. And, with Gostas Bear and Montour on the back end, hell, even Ben Bishop handles the puck. Yeah. So, you know, your breakout ability with that top line on the ice and with how much skating there is there. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a, I worry about them defensively, but yeah. offensively, that's a goddamn nightmare. Right. Like, like you said, if we're going deeper, I'm seriously looking at building a second line that's just full on shut down, essentially. <laughs> right. That's where that's where you go out and you get like a Nazem Kadri and right. uh, you know, you try and you try and load up on like really good like or a Mikhail Backlund. Yeah. And then you load up on really good defensive wings. Um you know. Yeah. Some so of these in- some of these guys that you could get would be, you know, you get like a Dustin Brown. Yeah, type exactly. maybe not necessarily him. I, he's not my favorite, but but that type of player yeah, for that sure. that archetype anyway. That would be um, the interesting thing uh, if we yeah. were to go a little deeper into this. You could start to really dig into you know which of these guys do you want to flesh out your squad, kind of. Yeah, you know because you would have a chance to go out and get some of these very you know. I mean, we had a and Nico Hischer didn't get drafted. Yeah, one of the younger guys that didn't actually end up going. Yeah, um, so you know you could you could definitely get some of those guys. And hey, should be Selkie candidate Alexander Kerfoot went undrafted, so he would have been around too. <laughs> well, well, I don't know if I'd draft him for my shutdown line, but he was available. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it would have been interesting, but unfortunately getting 32 people in a room for 12 hours or whatever it would take to do a full squad would be tough. That would be one where maybe you like, you do like the first five rounds one weekend and then another five rounds the next weekend. And then like 
spread it across a month. Exactly. Where like this is something that takes you a month to do, but you're doing it like two hours every Saturday morning. Yeah. And it just becomes like a thing that everybody does. Like, okay, cool. I'll just do this for two hours and then I'm done. Yeah. Because really it did not take us very long once we got once we got into the rhythm of picking and everything is uh everything yeah. is moving. It was it was just fine. We had no issues with uh speed. Yeah, I think it was like a three hour event and the first round took us like fifty minutes and then yeah. the rest. And that included a thirty minute roll call. Yeah, right. <laughs> Waiting to get all thirty two of us in order. Yeah. <laughs> Because it was like, so, all right, we're starting at 10, and we did not start anywhere close to 10. No, not close. <laughs> all right. Well, what I can certainly tell you is that doing a, a fantasy draft of the entire NHL would certainly be game-changing for a number of teams. So it's time for me to tell you about some game-changing coffee StravaCraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it, it has done it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. So check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door that's gonna do it for segment one here just kind of us talking about our two teams in the draft but there are 30 other teams here and we were going to talk about some of our favorites coming up in segment two second segment of the bsn avalanche podcast i'm still nathan he's still aj we're still talking about our six round draft we've talked about our team's I want to take a look at some of our favorites. I have four picked out. I believe AJ has four picked out as well. We didn't really order them because, let's face it, every team in a draft like this is going to be stacked. These are just kind of a few of our favorites that we're going to run through. I'll go first. One that immediately jumped out to me was the New York Rangers. Love their first pick in David Pasternak, young winger, something a little bit different from all of us taking a center in the first round. And then he rounded out his forward core with Logan Couture and Alex Radilov, two extremely solid picks for me. His defensive side is interesting. Brent Burns, he took in the second round. Getting Burns in the second round, you take all day. His other defenseman, Justin Falk, that's the big question mark for me, and he rounded it out with Robin Leonard in goal. So I think Falk is definitely the weakest link of the team here, but still extremely solid. Yeah, and definitely um, what Falk does well. You know, he puts up points and he plays a little offensive for you. Yep. It's redundant to what Burns does. It so is, yeah. That's, that's and I mean, obviously, and you're obviously hoping that Robin Leonard is the real deal, but we're all hoping that with our goaltenders. So yeah. um, really copy and paste that quote unquote criticism. For all the goalies, basically. For, for yeah. every single team that got drafted was, yeah. we're all just hoping that it goes well. But yeah. I did, I did like the roster and especially because uh, his first pick was 19th. You're... You're talking, you know, the the last centers that went before him were Patterson and Eichel. Yeah. And the ones that went after him, you know, Sean Couturier, Tyler Sagan, Evgeny Malkin, Sean Monahan, 
Patrice Bergeron. Like some good players, but there's definitely like a a divide Drop there. Off, yeah. You know, after Jack Eichel going into the into Couturier Sagan, you know, Malkin is amazing and everybody loves he's a point per game guy, but health issues, 32 years old. Yep. And Patrice Bergeron, uh, same criticisms, health issues and 33 years old. So um, it was a good, it was a good recognition of there's. The centers are thinning out a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I can get one of the best young wings at 22 years old uh, coming off a fantastic season, signed on an excellent contract. Yeah. Uh, four more years at, at six and a half million is nasty. So I did like, I did like the work done there. Yeah, I I agree with you. I it's hard to pick exactly who would make the playoffs in a draft like this, but the goal was to build a, a team that could make the playoffs now and, and compete going into the future. And a first line with a Pasternak as your young star and two extremely solid players like Logan Couture, who's been fantastically consistent for San Jose. And then an, a bit of an older player in Radilov who who adds a bit of grit or someone called it craziness to the roster, I think yeah. helps as well. Yeah, you. I, I do think you'd eat a little crazy. I talk about it a lot with the abs that it's one of those things I think they've really been lacking in recent years. And, you know, the addition of Kadri will help them the same yeah, way but... with, uh, with uh, Radilov on this, you know, this this roster here would really help them give them a little bit of an edge. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, especially with the defense that they have so far. Burns and Falk, neither of which are particularly <laughs> physical players. Yeah, and you don't trust either one of those guys in your own in their own zone. Yeah, all. not really. <laughs> you got those guys purely to play offense for you. Yeah. Pretty much. So Maybe leaning a lot on Leonard to be good there, but mm-hmm. he had one really good year. Can he keep it up? <laughs> yeah, and he's uh, he's backstopping. Just what I liked about it is that it was it was a relatively like a balanced roster. Yeah, you know, in terms of age and money and and skill sets, outside of the redundant defenders, I, I did like the way that the forward group fit together. Right. Because we did have some forward groups uh, that we'll get into tomorrow when we talk about teams that we didn't like as much <laughs> uh, that were just sort of mashed together uh, a little awkwardly where you're like, I don't I don't know how these guys would work together. Right. Yeah. As a, as a trio. And one team uh, didn't even take a center. Yep. So, um, which was more the mislabeling of player positions than yeah. it was that person's fault of course thanks again nhl.com really yeah. helping us out there absolutely <laughs> uh all right so that's one of my favorites let's get one of yours now um one of mine one of mine after i looked at a uh, looked around a little bit i ended up really liking what pittsburgh did yeah um a, a, a forward lineup of jt miller of Kenny malkin and william nylander uh you know again malkin a little bit older but even if he were to to leave, JT Miller uh, has a lot of center experience and could theoretically slide over into that spot, and then you could pull another left wing from your second line. 
uh, and his ability to play all positions gives him a lot of inherent value. For uh, sure. Nylander, I think, is a great bounce-back guy. I think I think last year was the obvious anomaly in his career in the same way that Nathan McKinnon's 38-point third season was also the big anomaly um, where there were mitigating circumstances. It wasn't like everything was on the up and up, and he just had a bad <laughs> year, you know? Yeah. So. Uh, and then Pittsburgh's defense also ended up being Roman Yossi and Ryan McDonough, which I think is just that's stupid. Solid. Yeah. <laughs> and then Pecorine and goal, obviously the age there, like with Malkin, um, yeah. is your big question. How long can that guy continue to do it? But, you know, the next two years are not irrelevant. And that's that was kind of how that Pittsburgh roster got built was I've got some good young players. You know, Nylander will be around. Yossi should be good for a while, although he's not like young anymore. Um, Miller's in his mid-20s, so there will be solid pieces, even if a couple of these guys do age out in the next few years, but is good enough and high-end enough that you could compete for a cup on day one. Right. I, I agree with you there. I really like how they handled their first two picks because they picked 30th in the first round. And then with the snake, they had the 35th pick as well. Mm-hmm. They went with Malkin in the first, yeah. locking up an sh- extremely strong center, a little bit more age to him. But that's kind of what's left near the end of the first. And then turn around at the top of the second and pick Roman Yossi. And you say, my 1C, my 1D is done for the rest of the draft. So don't even have to think about it. Yeah, I might have liked it a little more. Uh, the pick after Malkin was Monahan. Yeah, and he could have definitely gone that route. Eight years younger would have really buoyed against the older approach on defense and in net. Yeah. Um, but even, I mean, Malkin is significantly better than Monahan. So uh, you're not, you know, you're not complaining a whole lot about like, how that ended up being. Um, the 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 perfect sweet spot might have been Tyler Sagan, who was picked right before, before yeah. and that might have been even like the best pick in terms of uh, those two, plus a contract and you know all the other stuff that goes into all these things. Right, so, of course. Um, well, I'm sure we didn't take this into account, but Malkin once upon a time did say if he had to play for anywhere but Pittsburgh, he'd go back to Russia. So that worked out. Right, he is in Pittsburgh still. Well, he's already made noise that at the end of his current contract, which is three more years, that he would consider going back to Russia to finish his career there. Pull the Datsuk. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, going with him in in a draft like this, like you're getting a great player, but you know there was a reason that youth was. The, the name of the game here uh, in the, in the first round. Yeah. For sure. Know, I, th- I think there were only. Yeah. There were only five players, uh, 30 and older. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Got Marshand in there. I forgot about that. Yeah. And, you know, it was fun. It's fun. I say there, you know, but the, the last pick of the first round was Patrice Bergeron. And that GM turned around and followed it up by taking grass was Darlene with the yeah, very next the youngest pick. player, basically. So it was, uh, you know, even yeah. even when somebody went a little bit older, they balanced it immediately. Yep, it, it's definitely a, a significant balancing act up and down here. Uh, okay, we've looked at two East Coast teams. Let's look at a West Coast team that I really liked here in Arizona. They had the third overall pick. 
We already discussed they went with Sasha Barkov there. Mm-hmm. Love that. After that, they quickly took care of their defense, going Charlie McAvoy and then Quinn Hughes, both very young. McAvoy a little bit more established there, but I like the gamble on Hughes. They followed that up with Holtby, Ricard Raquel, and then my steal of the entire draft. Third to last pick in the whole draft, they get Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah, the Ehlers pick is filthy. Like That's <laughs> that's really what buoys uh, that for me was. I like the defense. I like, I think it's good. I'm less of a fan of Holby. Barkov was fine. I don't like the Raquel pick at all. Um, but, but getting Ehlers, yeah. getting Ehlers in that value. Ehlers is a guy that should have gone in the top three rounds, realistically. Yeah. Given his production, his age, uh, and his contract, there's no reason Nikolai Ehlers should have lasted as long as he did. And part of that is, you get into this syndrome when you're doing this of just looking and, and sorting it by, okay, who had the most points last year? Yeah. And then when a guy has has injuries. They kind of fall and disappear. They, into the yeah, they, they're bit, in yeah. they're lower into that list. And so you look at Ehlers and you're like, oh, well, he only had a 37-point season and he, in 62 games. Like, that's not very good. And he's never scored in the playoffs. So that's a real problem. But... You know, watching watching some of the guys that went ahead of him, you know, like Andreas Athanasiu was literally the pick before, and that guy has one good year in his NHL career. You know, and yeah. obviously a thirty goal season is fine, but you know there were there were some guys, you know, Jordan Eberle, Tom Wilson, that that got taken before Ehlers, where it was just kind of like, eh. And when you consider Ehlers is only twenty two compared to some of these guys, yeah. It's the youth is there. The production when he's healthy has been there. He's yeah. also scored an overtime goal for the abs. So that counts too. <sighs> Memories. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think the Raquel pick is by far the weakest one. Um, An okay and, player. Just not a guy that I want in my. Right. Oh my Not on your line. top line. Exactly. I, I think I like Arizona better because I have more faith in Holpe than you do. Yes, he hasn't been fantastic the past couple of years, but he has been the guy in Washington for a long time. I, I think he's due for a bit of a bounce back there as well. So He's also he's also uh, getting up there a little bit. He's not getting younger, but that's and he's not got uncommon one year left. for goalies. The one this, year. Given this contra, this new goaltender market that's shaped up this summer, uh, he might get a healthy raise from that six million. He might get eight million next year, and I'm definitely not doing that. Yeah, that's the one year is the problem with Holtby for sure. I no argument there. It's what's it going to cost and how much term is it going to take? Because if you're starting to push him up into his late 30s, that could become a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you know, goalies age a lot better and you worry less about their thirties, but when they've already had two down years in a row, yeah. Uh, going into the thirties and into free agency, uh, it's, it's a roll of the dice. It's which of course, again, with goalies, we're always doing that. <laughs> I did overall like the built for long-term success. It's just that there were a couple of us that did that. Yeah. Where we, where we specifically were like, we want to go young. Right. And there were a couple of teams that I think did that better. Um, I certainly like what I did better in terms of going young. 
And I really liked what the the Colorado GM did in with with building Young. Mm-hmm. Um, the Colorado roster ended up being Monahan, uh, Mike Hoffman, who's the only old guy there, uh, Sam Reinhart, Thomas Shabbat, Mikhail Sergachev, and UC Saros. That's a that's a killer Young roster. Yeah, I I love that defense. <laughs> To have Chabot and Sergachev back there, I I would run that all day, every day. Yeah, well, and and then Monahan and Reinhardt, you know, those those are guys that I think get overlooked because of the guys that they have on their teams, uh, in Goudreau and Eichel respectively. But they're both really good top guys. You know, Monahan coming off his own eighty point season, his multiple thirty goal seasons already in his career, and Sam Reinhardt certainly is no bust. Um, yeah. You know, he hasn't been like the super high end guy, but he's been a very good uh, top six player. And next to next to Monahan and Mike, you know, Mike Hoffman's a 30 goal guy that you just set and forget in your lineup. The yep. only downside with Mike Hoffman here is that uh, he's got just the one year left until he goes into free agency. Yeah, I the thing I like about that forward core is it's super well rounded, too. You can throw that those three out in your defensive zone and not worry about it for a second. They can take care of their own business. Yeah. And that's, that's why if you're going to build for longer term success, I like that more than I liked what Arizona did Um, better at center, but I like Hoffman more than Raquel. I actually do like Reinhardt more than Ehlers, although that one's pretty close. And then the gains that Arizona made on defense with McAvoy and Hughes. Yeah. Are pretty much negated by Shabbat and Sergachev. And I definitely would take Saros over Holtby moving forward. I don't know if I'd take Saros over Holtby necessarily, but I do like the gamble. If there was a younger goalie, Saros would have been one of the ones that I was targeting. He was the number one guy on my board at goaltender that I wanted who was not an established starter. Right, exactly. Um, the, The age and what he's done so far, both of those things, I was like, okay, that's the guy that I would, I would like to get. Um, Yeah. But, you know, somebody got a, our Colorado GM got more aggressive with picking him than I was comfortable with. So. (laughs) Yeah. It's, there's always limits, right? The, The whole draft was trying to set up. Is it worth it to take this guy this early? And a lot of the times, Maybe you were just a touch too late. Sometimes maybe you jumped the gun a little bit. Yeah. It's it it's tough to find the sweet spot sometimes and unless you find Nikolai Ehlers at the very end of the draft. But <laughs> I mean you found Evander Kane with the second last pick. So yeah, I mean right. like, there's there was a lot of forward talent still available. Right. And this this is what? Almost two hundred picks was the, the yeah. draft. And you're talking about pick one ninety here, and there's still very, very high-end talent. So if there was any doubt about the depth of the NHL, I think that this put that to rest. Yeah. And staying out on the West Coast, uh, for me, um, I I really liked what Vancouver did. Yeah. Um, again, uh, a team that, you know, at least up front, very young. Sebastian Ajo, Kyle Connor, and Alex DeBrincat, mm-hmm. very young. And very good. Um, the defense, Ryan Suter, Ryan Pulak, Tuka Rask. Ryan Pulak, I can I can tell you right now, um, from people who don't watch the Islanders, will get overrated because of the points. Uh, because he can fire 10 goals in a year from the point because he's got a dominant slap shot. 
uh, and can run that power play. But if you have Ryan Suter, you know, Ryan Suter is going to demand that role. So, you know, you've got to kind of buoy that a little bit. And that I think Suter's demand for ice time cuts into what Pulak gives you. And he's defensively, there's no way that guy's a top pairing defenseman. But again, there were some teams that had to do that. Right. It's you had to sacrifice at least one position until later in the draft. And you're going to have a weakness somewhere. Some teams did a better job of rounding things out than others, depending on what was available. But plenty of teams ended up with either an older defenseman or an older forward or even an older goalie. Mm -hmm. And that was Vancouver. You know, the Ryan Suter uh, pick doesn't bother me at all. He's going to continue to age just fine because it's all intelligence with him. Yeah. Um, And then with their goaltender, you know, with Rask, good, but 32 years old, two years left until free agency. Um, Just sort of kind of an awkward position there. But for the next two years, you're not worried about the position at all. Right. You're if you're trying to win now, you're you're definitely set with Rask. Yeah, that would be one where they would need to going going into further rounds. They would need to 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 end up with like a high end second pairing to yeah. kind of shore that up. But I love what they did at the top. Um, Aho and Connor are, are guys yeah, that I that's... think are stellar. And then Debrincat, uh, all you got to do is just shoot pucks, man. Like just right. keep scoring 40 goals a year and ain't nobody going to care what, what else you do. Yeah, I, I agree. It's that forward core would be one that was, would be fun to watch for a long, long, long time. <laughs> yeah, that I really liked. And, um, you know, just it was really the Pulak pick, and I'm a big Ryan Pulak fan. So, uh, really, that all around roster, I thought they did a they did a great job. And if you're gonna if you're gonna pick a weakness, you can argue that going weaker at right D than in goal ten than than in goal is the way to go. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it's uh, that Vancouver roster to me really stood out as just a one that has lots of upside. Lots of youth. Uh, I, I, you know, with Ajo, I'd like to have seen Connor because I think maybe the downside is that that roster is very expensive already. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, with Ajo getting paid, Connor will get paid this summer. The Bridcat will get paid next summer. Uh, Suter is obviously locked in until he's dead. And then <laughs> Tuka Rask is at $7 million already. So yeah. that deals up in two years, but you're still paying an absolute premium on your number one goaltender. There isn't a cheap guy there except Pulak. And he's on, he's a one year guy. Uh, he's one year deal with a, uh, as an RFA. So right. if he ends up taking a big step forward, you're going to pay him. If he doesn't, then you're still looking for a number one T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, the the price situation there, I agree, is is definitely a bit of a concern. That's a, you're going to yeah. end up being pretty top heavy in that regard. So you'd have to find some some cheaper deals to to shore you up. Yeah, he the that would be one kind of like where you would have to have gone, where you would have had to have find really good value elsewhere as well. Yeah, because um, you just have so much money locked in already on that team. Uh, although yeah. with Goss Despair, like your your defense is like cheap. Yeah, but, that right. It's Gosses Bear was was the steel contract kind of thing. I, I was relying on on that side for sure. Yeah, and then of course you hope that his up and down, like he smooth levels out, out a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that too for sure. Like the ups are amazing with that guy. 
you get a yeah. 65 point season and you're like ha, 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 for what now but you get another 37 point year and you're like, and you're like uh, oh okay well, yeah for four and a half million it's I'm fine. not. I'm not worried yeah. about it, but right. I was really banking on this guy giving me a lot more than that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and right. then you know, with Montour, he's just got the one year deal. Yeah, so. that's one that you'll have to manage after the first season. But, yeah. but yeah, that I think that's gonna wrap up this segment. We got some East Coast, we got some West Coast, we got some more coming your way in segment three, and maybe some more minutia of the the draft and how it went down. But first, I got to pay a couple bills here. Thirty, thirty. 30. How often do you see 30% off, AJ? That's right. Total Beverage is giving the BSN fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. Use code BSN2019 online or on the Total Beverage app, which you can download today. As you may or may not know, Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and Aurora to Brighton, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD products. That's right, from drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive that 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. And better yet, don't leave the comfort of your home and get it delivered. Cheers. We will be back in segment three in a minute. Third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast here with Nathan and AJ. As always, we've talked about some of our favorite teams. I think we have a couple of more to get through, or at least I do. Uh, I started last round. You want to start this one, AJ? Yeah, I'm staying out west, man. I'm going with the first ever Seattle team. Um, I like the pick. It, it's an interesting group where uh, the high end does not, it's not there. Yeah, but it's rock solid, and playing against it every night would be god awful. Yep. Uh, Bull Horvat, Gabe Landeskog, and Clayton Keller as the top top line. Um, obviously, some projection there with Clayton Keller because he's like been like a forty ish, fifty ish point guy. So needing him to be on your top line, you gotta. Yeah, he's got to step up a bit. Yeah, there's and at his age, like it's a reasonable expectation. Landeskog, you expect to come down from the 70 points going from playing next to McKinnon and Rantanen to next to Horvat and Keller. But he should still be good for the 50 to 60 points he's always been good for his whole career. Yeah. And I, uh, I tell you, the defense, Zach Wierenski and Tori Krug, just That's solid. electric, yeah. Yeah, like a lot of offensive ability there. And then in net, you you wonder, oh, what kind of defenses were Wierenski and Krug going to give you? Well, when you have John Gibson in goal, it's so it, you're willing to take the chance. Yeah, for sure. It's when you have one of the best goalies in the league by pretty much total consensus on a great contract as well. That opens up a lot more you can do with your defense. Absolutely, um, you you can get a little more uh, offensively oriented on that back end. If you, uh, if you have a guy like that back there, that's another, that's a, that's a team where again, you're missing on the high end. Right. So you wonder kind of where that's going to come from, but uh, could be one of those teams that just kills you with depth, like scoring uh, by committee type deal. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, like the first year Vegas team that just sort of paper cut you to death. Yep. Everybody came at you and and obviously when everybody has a career year that helps, but 
just a, a death by paper cut type of squad that can do so many different things to you. And with Horvat and Landeskog, you're talking about two really good two way two way guys as well that uh, just make life miserable for you. So I'm I really like that roster. I think it's 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 a really solid base, and there's no real weakness there. In outside of like, it's not dominant. But you're not looking at it and like, oh man, there's this one thing about it that that you can point to. It's it's young. It's you know, it's it's with Horvat and uh, Gibson. You're signed long term. Yep. The other guys, you know, I think Wierenski will get his contract this summer. Krug has got the one year left. Landis got two years left. Uh, but you expect, you know. It, you do expect most of these guys to stick around. Right. For the most part. Yeah. In most of these situations. So uh, I do, I do for a, I, I think Seattle would have, is going to have a very hard time getting a better roster in the expansion draft than they did in this. Yeah. I, that would be a struggle. I would think uh, I do worry about Nashville syndrome a little bit there, not having that true, one's the i would say especially and maybe horvat does step up and and becomes that but definitely haven't really seen it yet so yeah what uh what you got for your team well i go back out east i had carolina on this one this is another another gm who took wing first but uh the wing he took was patrick kane so yeah you can get behind that easily and then he follows it up with evgeny kuznetsov as his center in the second round which is just kane and kuznetsov is dumb (laughs) um and then in the third round he picks up some guy named eric carlson and sure he might have some aging and injury issues but in the immediate pretty good yeah uh he he rounds it out with Cam Atkinson, Devin Dubnik in goal, and Noah Hannafin on D. I actually like Hannafin a lot more than some people. Yeah. Um, Atkinson, I think, is the weak link, but we've talked about it in the past that he can be one of those solid players that is good enough to play with high-end talent and still yeah. produce. Absolutely. Patrick Kane feeding him pucks yeah. you know, across ice. All he's got to do is just fire home one-timers, man, and just bury pucks. Right. Uh, with Hannafin and Carlson, you are worried about the defense. And with Dubnik and Net, you know you're not going to get a great starter. Yeah. You're just hoping that you get a solid one. And uh, But that you do really like that top end. Kane and Kuznetsov and Atkinson is going to be a group that goes to war with anybody. Uh, Kane and Atkinson are, I think, Atkinson's 30 this year. Um. So, yeah, I think so. A touch older, but not like, oh man, old. This is this is a this is a a team with a a four year plan at most. Not you know not one that is built for the next seven years, but no, is yeah. is certainly one that is looking to win right now. Right, I. I agree, and I I think I tend to gravitate a little bit more towards that than you do. Uh, you. Just by your team, obviously, you built very heavily into the future. And I kind of took this challenge as a let's try and win a cup in the next four years. Well, I think, I mean, obviously, you're trying to do that, too. But I think, I, I think I'm, I'm comfortable winning a cup in the next four years with, right. uh, with my group as long as I can. But it's, I do think you have 
you did sacrifice a little bit to try and and maybe make that more of like over the next seven years as well. Definitely. Um, Definitely trying to build a, a team that would compete for a division for a while. Right. So and and that's hard to fault that for sure. Yeah, and that's that's what Carolina did not do here. Um, no. Really, the only young player that is on this roster is Noah Hannafin. It's also arguably the weakest, depending yeah. on how you feel about Atkinson. You can make the argument there. Sure, sure. Um, okay, let's. Um, I'm kind of in turbo mode here because I've uh, yeah. I've got stuff we'll headed my way. So my last <laughs> my last good team here. This is a team that uh, I like. Very few weaknesses. Um, again, maybe not one with the highest of high ends, but one where you're not looking at it and saying there's an obvious hole. I like Dallas. Uh, yeah. Mark Shifley at center, surrounded by Jake Gensel and Evgeny Dadanov, uh, with John Carlson, Darnell Nurse on defense, and uh, Semyon Varlamov in net. You know, Varley, it kind of depends on how you feel about him as a starter. He's not a high-end guy, certainly anymore. You feel comfortable saying that. But a guy that can start in 50 games for you and, you know, you're hoping wins 35 of them, which would be amazing. You're hoping certainly wins 30 of them. Uh, But with Carlson and Nurse, you've got a lot of high-end ability, some offense there, some nastiness, good size. And then on offense, it's just a a killer trio between – Shifley, Gensel, and Dadanov. And Shifley and Gensel signed long-term, both young, uh, building blocks. And Nurse, also young, building blocks. Uh, Carlson signed long-term, so I guess he's, he counts as a building block because he's going to be there forever. <laughs> With Dadanov, the only real contract question. Uh, yeah. So all those guys are signed except for Dadanov, and you can kind of build around that group knowing how much the, the those top guys on your roster are going to continue to cost. So I like that group just because it, it felt bulletproof. Yeah, I, I do think it's very well-rounded. It, not as big of a question on the high end as Seattle, but still maybe not quite that super superstar on their roster. Um, I would like to see – I always like to see one true like go-to man on a, on a lineup. But You do wonder if Shifley can continue to be an 80-point player without uh, Blake Wheeler next to him. Right. Exactly. You know, and Gensel, how does Gensel do away from Malkin and Crosby? Yeah. And uh, Dadanov, I'm not worried about. He's the dad. There you go. <laughs> dad power. That's right. Uh, my last one will be really quick. It ends up being Buffalo. They got their own Jack Eichel in the first round. Uh, they filled out their forward core with Konechny and Tarasenko um, and then added Nate Schmidt, Makar, and Mrazek. Going in the second round on Makar, I think we both agree that that's a fantastic pick there. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. Um, that was my pick. He picked uh, He picked the spot before me. Oh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> and so had he not gone with Makar, I was going to, and I would not have Matthew Kachuk or yep. Alex Petrangelo. <laughs> um <laughs> But can't can't fault him for that. Um, I mean, I I think it was worth going ham on a guy like McCarr because we all everybody believes he's going to be special. Yep. And if you're going to get a franchise caliber defenseman at 20 years old, uh, you want it. You want him. You you don't care where you have to. Okay. (laughs) Do I have to give up a Matthew Kachuk? You know, because if you look where McCarr got drafted and. 
some of the guys uh, that that were drafted in that in that area. Yep. You know, the guys drafted immediately behind him were Matt Kachuk, Matt Duchesne, Alex DeBrincat, John Carlson, Oliver Ekman, Larson, Claude Giroux, Miro Haskinen, uh, Matt Murray, Shea Theodore, so uh, Ryan O'Reilly as well. Um, yep. So it's you know there was there was a price there. For sure. There was there was a cost to going that big on the uh, uh on the faith within the kid. So it it's it was a big one and hard to argue, man. Yeah, I I don't have any argument with it especially when you end up with Tarasenko on the wing who one of my personal favorites and he's going to pour in goals for you. And then the the other very young piece in Travis Konechny as, as another building block for you. Yeah, definitely. Um a really good young player uh, still needs to really break out, break out, but I, I love his game. And I think with more opportunity than he's had in Philly, he'll be just fine. Yeah. So I, I agree. That's it. That's it for the teams. We liked tomorrow. The yeah. teams we didn't like. Yeah, it should be fun. AJ, if you got to run, I can close it out here for you. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. And, and a special thank you to all of the GMs we got to come out and, and do this. It was a lot of fun and, we got more stuff coming up. I hope y'all enjoyed this one. We'll see. Some people are going to get burned tomorrow's show with the GMs who drafted the teams that weren't our favorites, but you'll have to wait until about 24 hours from now for that one. If you're watching this as it went up, we will catch you then. And thank you for listening. Piper electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com.